yeah, process is full of activities. Um, but there is your there, an artistic personality to everything you do. And when you learn that, that your unique personality, your thumbprint, your snowflake is a different viewpoint, that is where the magic happens. And I had to learn that kind of the hard way through sales. Like I didn't have bang up years. I wasn't the best and the brightest. And somebody said, well, you're not focusing on the people and what you're uniquely qualified to do. So bring that to the table. You're listening to Lead Through Values, where America's Chief Culture Officer, James Mayhew, helps you create a high-performance workplace by building strong leaders, enhancing communication, and accelerating productivity. And now, here's your host, James Mayhew. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to Lead Through Values. I've got a great show for you today. But before we begin, I just wanted to let you know that this podcast is made possible through my leadership coaching and training program, Accelerate. Now, I created Accelerate to give leaders at all levels the essentials they'll need to help teams operate at their maximum ability. Now, just yesterday, we wrapped up Module 5, and that's on accountability. And during that training, I'm teaching the group what it means to hold each other capable. It's a different perspective than just holding people accountable. And a big piece of that. Uh, to hold people uh, capable is recognizing the specific abilities you see in others so you can coach to their potential because that's the key to creating a high performance workplace. Now, proactive accountability is just one of five modules in Accelerate. If you'd like to learn more about that program or other workshops, you can visit jamesmayhew.com or call me directly. You know, I'm old school. I'll pick up the phone when you call. So it's 319- 929-2604, and I'd love to learn more about your business. So today's episode features another amazing leader, Chad Greenlee, joins the show today, and I'm confident that you'll enjoy learning from Chad, just as I have. Now, I've only had uh, known Chad for a few weeks now, but it doesn't take long to see why he's enjoyed such a successful career already. Uh, Chad and I had coffee a few weeks ago and shared some war stories from our past, some decisive moments in our career journeys, and I kind of felt walking away that I'd known him for years. So uh, Chad is a market leader for Bergen KDV, which is a professional services firm based in the Midwest and just experienced some very impressive growth. So Chad, welcome to Lead Through Values. Tell us a little bit about your leadership journey. Well, thank you. Uh, appreciate the confidence and the warm intro. <laughs> so my leadership journey, um, I guess it it starts back to probably when I was a kid, you know, through through sports. And how I can say this is I was probably never the blessed with great talent. I mean, I'm a tall five foot eight, <laughs> but in the program in basketball, yeah. uh, you know, in high school, I had him list me at like five eleven, Ooh, even yeah. though we knew that was a lie. Yeah. Uh, but I always had to tend to work a little bit harder uh, to look like I had the natural talent as everybody else. And that fueled me to go on and play, you know, uh, college golf uh, and have a great career there. And I, uh, oddly enough, I was never the best player, but I was always the the guy that would probably work the hardest. Hmm. So as I kind of progressed in my career, so on and so forth, uh, I I quickly found that sales and HR recruiting and some sort of client management and, and client direction, being in front of the client, was my cup of tea. Hmm. And uh, I always was a coachable guy, so I could take feedback. I wanted you to give me feedback. 
And that just led me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. I tended to take the hard positions, the positions that people didn't want or couldn't produce in. And not that I would make them phenomenal, but I would always be have the unique ability to get them to a foundation where someone else who probably had that better talent than I did could elevate it and grow from there. Uh, when I joined Bergen KDV, uh, I joined as market leader in a chaotic environment. We had the pandemic. Uh, uh, everybody was working remote. Two weeks after I started here, we had to uh, shut our offices down because we were just coming back, but then COVID was coming in and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I thought it was going to be extremely difficult to come in and build relationships. It proved opposite because I just learned from everybody that was here what they needed. And I adapted and started doing things to make sure that we were communicating better. We were providing information. We were building those one-to-one relationships. And, uh, you know, now we're uh, in a time where we're seeing some more extreme growth. We're bringing people on. And uh, I couldn't be more happy uh, at the place I am in my career right now. That, man, that's, you said a lot right there. There's so many things I just kind of wanted to probe into. Um, but one of them is you sought feedback. I mean, going back to when you were younger and, and in, entering into your, your career, I don't know that everybody likes to seek feedback. So are you a guy that kind of craves it? Do you like talk to me about what's the origin of that for you? Uh, the origin is, I think, when I, I was uh, sitting on a bench uh, in T-ball and I so way back, way back. It's way back, and I remember this, and I went home, and I was like, Dad, why don't I get to play? Mm. And he said, uh, because you haven't put in the effort or the time. And so he said, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a mound out in the backyard, and I'm going to put an old tire, and I'm going to take all the old baseballs that we have, and whatever you think you need to do to make time to make sure that you're ready for when your opportunity comes, you do it. And I... I kind of took it to heart, but I didn't know what I was doing. I just thought it was fun. And so uh, one time, I remember this, it was a couple years later, I got the opportunity to like, hey, who wants to try pitching? And this is on a team that um, I really had no business being on, (laughs) but I had the opportunity and it was baseball. And the two coaches were standing on both sides of the batter's box and I was throwing the catcher. And I I see them look at each other and they're like, that had some velocity to it. And he's throwing strikes. And I just kept throwing and as I was, I was thrown to a tire, right? Yeah, that's so I, cool. that's when it started. And so ever since then, whenever I wanted to get better at something, um, even my current leader, I said, I want you to tell me the things that I don't want to hear, but the things that I need to hear. And even if they're hard, tell me. And, uh, when I ask for that specific feedback, it's really those little millimeters or inches of that feedback that make the greatest. Because when, when you're good at something, right, from good to great is, is a small margin. It, from great to phen- phenomenal is even smaller. Yeah. I mean, look at like Olympic runners and all yeah. those sorts of things. Like you're talking a hundredth of a second exactly. from yeah. gold to not even placing, mm-hmm. right? It's a hundredth of a second. But to, to get there is the hardest work. Hmm. And so I think we owe it to ourselves when you get to a certain level that you've got to continue to try and grow and get uncomfortable. So when did you realize that you had 
this really intense, this really strong work ethic, this drive? I mean, did you know that always, or was it something that you you began to see? Like, man, I you know I'm putting, I, I'm competing, I, I'm going to work against people that um, they're they're super talented. Like, and I know you're a talented person, like super talented, but you're matching the work ethic with it too. So when did you begin to notice that? Uh, well, then I you know so fast forward, um, I've I've been a guy that's kind of. I think has talent in a variety of things like that Jack of all trades, yeah, but master of yeah. none. Um, but whatever I found keenly interested in, it's kind of a little bit of a savant. You kind of go all in. Uh, but I remember uh, in high school, this is when I discovered this. I remember in high school, somebody telling me that, Hey, you're really talented in one area, which uh, was music, but I, I didn't have the interest in it put it that way like I was talented but didn't have the interest and he he said you're never gonna have an athletic scholarship or be play college athletics so don't even try mm-hmm. right then I was like if you tell me that was when I discovered if you tell me I can't do something I'm gonna do it yeah that's a great motivator and well you fast forward and you know a couple conference championships uh, in college uh, collegiate golf uh, making it to the national tournament, numerous uh, individual and team wins. And then in 2014, I made the Athletic Hall of Fame at Mount Mercy University. I boil it down to that one conversation that told me I couldn't do it. So now, you know, people, when you look at some of my career moves and those sorts of things, it's all kind of been bred. Well, we don't think you can do that. Mm. And that is just fuel. Yeah. That is just pure fuel for me. If you put a hand in, I have a, I have a friend and we both know him, Kyle Steele. Yep. Uh, we've played on the basketball court <clears throat> and things. And he's like, Chad, you're a better shooter when you have a hand in your face. And I, I feel that when there's a little bit of animosity. I've always found that you learn a lot about another person's character. I mean, you can know a lot about their character at work, but when you compete with them, whether it's through golf or something like that, but, but like basketball in particular, it is a very physical game. It's much more physical than I think, you know, people who, who don't know it or haven't played it see it from the outside. There's a lot of pushing. There's a lot of positioning. There's a lot of finesse and, and little nuances through footwork. There's also the fouls that are obvious, and then there's the fouls that are not obvious. There's, there's the things that happen. And so you, you might even, if you've played basketball enough, you might even call it dirty at times, right? Mm-hmm. So you learn man, like that player is, he's holding me every time I'm making a cut or they're getting underneath of me intentionally. Like I'm afraid I'm going to turn an ankle or blow a knee or something like that. And you also begin to see if they knock you down, do they, are they the first one to reach you, you know, reach down and pick you up, like give you a hand up or are they kind of like celebrating on their breath? Like they just, they just beat you. They just defeated you. Like you see so many little nuances about a person's character when you're competing either against them or with them. And that's the other thing you'd be on the, you and I might be playing and, and suddenly I become a black hole. Every time you pass me the ball, I'm going to chuck it while you're white. You make a cut, you're wide open. I'm going to shoot the 25 footer instead of giving you the layup, you know, like you learn about those things about a person. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I see where you're going kind of with that analogy and to kind of get off the, the sports analogy, uh, the way that I think of it is you can wrap up in like two different philosophies. You can get there by, by you can get to where you want to go, uh, by any means necessary, or you can get to where you want to go 
uh, by working in your core values mm-hmm. and holding those strong. And anybody that knows me, that um, it's it's ethics, it's calm, cool, collected, but it's it's competitive. But if we're not gonna win on those things, I would rather not win. I go. wanna I wanna walk at the end of the day if I'm playing golf or if I'm across from a customer. I want them to look at us and look at me and, and look at my team and be like, man, even though we can't work together, I couldn't think of someone else that I'd rather be associated with or I, I've learned a lot from this yeah. time or you're someone that I admire and maybe we can you know, have coffee again or maybe we can meet again. There are just certain things and I know I've had to learn that uh, too because uh, I've seen others that have gotten there quicker maybe by sacrificing their values or sorts of things, but those are just things that I don't find worth it personally. Uh, others may, and that's perfectly fine. If that works for them, it's just never something that's worked for me. On your profile on the website, you have a quote that, that says, uh, I love the fact that no two clients are alike, but the second part is the kind of the cool part. It says, but oftentimes your toughest situations can create the best relationships. Is that, I mean, did you that's write that? My, that's, that's just yours. just me, yeah. you know, but uh, again, I think we were talking earlier. I said, I've, I've quoted this. Uh, there's a line that I think Ed Harris in Apollo 13 oh, uses, that's the line right? Ed yeah. Harris uses it and on Apollo 13. And I've watched that recently. My wife always makes fun of me because I can watch movies a hundred times sure. or I can listen to songs a hundred times and not get bored because I like to find the nuances in them. But, you know, NASA is, is, is having a hiccup, right? Yeah. They just, it's just going terrible with the launch and everything. And they said, you know, this, this is going to be the most, uh, this is going to be the biggest disaster in NASA history. And he turns around, looks him dead in the face and said, I believe this will be our finest hour. Yeah. And you know, everyone is going to face adversity and challenges and you're going to have hiccups. And I choose, even when I'm working with clients or brought into complex situations, I'm in one right now, and I've told them, and I said, that if you're looking at other firms or you're looking at other places to implement software solutions or so on and so forth, they're going to present you and plan for a perfect, rosy solution, and I know you want that. Mm. I'm going to tell you it's not going to be. And, but you're going to want the firm that can address those and bring you back together and rise to the occasion and do the things and level set to make sure you're like, yep, he told me this. He warned me. I may not have paid much attention to it, Sure. but guess what? We're in it now. And just so happens there's one that we're in very early on and that's okay because it wasn't, it's not necessarily that we wouldn't have a hiccup and I told you this, but it's how that you plan and how you rally and how you do the things that you've, you've said and why they trusted you that you're going to do. And that's what happened in Apollo 13, right? Everybody mm-hmm. had to pull out what was best about them. Now, they planned for a lot of different scenarios, a B, a C, a plan D, sure. all the way, right? Uh, but when you don't have the time, when people's lives are on the line or careers, for example, because when people use us, guess what? They're pitching internally to say, guess what? We think Bergen KDV, for example, will get us there further. And their careers, you know, they're they're basing their reputation internal on that. That doesn't weigh lightly on me or mm-hmm. the individuals that we bring here. So 
for us to ensure that even though we may have had a hiccup, maybe we haven't missed it, everybody's going to have them. And if they're telling you they're not, they're not telling you the truth. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when you do, how do you rise from that? How do you make sure that you're doing the things internally, you're communicating externally, you're as transparent as possible. And when you do that, you have examples like Ed Harris and Apollo 13 was saying, it's going to be our finest hour. And that's why I believe relationships, and I've had to learn it. I was not the best relationship guy. I was an X and O process guy. Sure. And I had a mentor that told me, he's like, when you figure out the relationship piece, Hmm. it is going to be a game changer because you've already understand the process piece. And that is an example of what we're doing now, right? I've got, we've got a great relationship built. I understand process and procedure. Now let's hold us accountable to deliver on the, uh, the product that we're going to, that we promised to do. And I believe we're going to over deliver because now they're gonna be like, well, we know so much through potential failures that we can exponentially gain on the other side. All of us can, because guess what? The next client that comes along or we implement this again, we won't do it. Right. We'll do it differently. Earlier, we were just talking about your your ability to go in and ask questions like Mm -hmm. you wanted to listen. I mean, is that one of the like the strategic skills that you learn to develop to build those relationships? Yeah, I think uh, being uh, curious to a point uh, is a skill you have to learn because oftentimes and when you don't have much experience, you take things that are said at, at surface value instead of saying, for example, what else? Or can you give me specifics? Mm-hmm. For example, if someone says, our communication just isn't good on this project. And I'd be like, okay, what happened this last week that you didn't like and didn't work for you? You know, just real quick, what I like about that is it, it you didn't start with the question of why first. Yes, the what first. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, what happened specifically that you didn't like? Yeah. I like to use uh, something that I use with my team. Uh, here's my non-negotiables, and here are the th- here are the things that if we're in a meeting or we're working or you're saying we cannot sacrifice. These are my non-negotiables. Now, here are the things that are up for discussion. Mm-hmm. So I asked that and it, uh, last week and a client said, what are the things that we absolutely cannot do that upset you? And they listed them off. I came back to her team like, oh my gosh, we've been doing that. I'm like, yeah, I asked that question. I said, what else? And they'd list them off and I said, what else? They'd list them off and I said, am I missing anything? And I go through them line by line by line mm, by I line. These this. are the four or five things. And they're like, oh, there is one other thing, right? And so you've asked the same question in like two or three or four different ways. And you've not just gotten the one thing, communication. You've got the details of the communication. Now everybody feels like, okay, I have the story and the experience to relate to that specific. What helps when I bring that feedback to my team is it's not a blame game. I'm not pointing fingers. We're all like, yes, we understand that now. We feel like we're reliving those stories and how would I go back and change them from the customer's perspective or my perspective? What that also allows is for us to open up to the customer too, or the client. And they're like, well, here are the things that we've asked for that we haven't gotten. They're like, Oh, that was completely my issue as well. So it creates a mutual agreement because we're getting down to the specifics for each. You know, you think of like 
sorry, like divorce attorneys so or whatever, right? Or like mediators or whoever, and you watch them on TV, like they're really skilled at making sure. Uh, and you always see like the rosy ones, like the situations where they're sitting there and all of a sudden they want to get back together because they're airing their quote unquote and grievances out. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, we can work on this mm -hmm. together. And it's, it's artistic. It's not scientific. I agree. That's so. a great way of saying it. Yeah. And I think the art of that is you've essentially exposed the stuff that, that tends to, to slide under the radar and it becomes over time. If it's something that's continues or it's not addressed or whatever, it becomes something bigger. And then we talked about this when I was doing my training yesterday in accountability. It's like we have to set really clear expectations of what we want and we need to communicate, um, you know, to a client or a customer. Uh, this is how we go about it. And, and when you set those expectations, then then they're out there. But back to your point, you've got to be able to nail it, because if you don't nail it, your integrity has just been thrown out the window. You know, that's that's a huge gap. Yeah. And, you know, the, when I hear you speaking and kind of talking about that, I, try, I always try and think of why are we in that situation? Yeah. And a lot of it is because I think, you know, social media and what we're paying attention to and marketing, we are really good at showing off our best and our highlights and we sell our highlights. Sure. But when you do the work, the work is sometimes uh, just clunky and it when you're changing you know you're you're failing a lot sure. right when you're when you're trying to do great work you're experimenting and you're failing and uh when you when you expose that early on when you're trying to sell sell something and you're like hey if we work together through our problems and we're going to have problems i mean if everything went rosy uh it would be awesome i just don't think that's going to happen because guess what we're trying to make something work for you that you really need and you've never done before. Mm -hmm. Well, we see it a lot, mm -hmm. but we haven't done it for you before. Yeah. We're trying to learn your team. We're trying to learn how you want this to work. We're trying to make certain things adaptable. Well, guess what? Uh, that's different. And it's different for both of us. We've seen it a lot. We know how to navigate it, but we don't know how to necessarily to navigate it for you. And I have a younger brother who uh, works for a large software company and he's a director or a, like a senior director of client success. He's in charge of making the software that they sell. And these are multi-million dollar deals. Mm. He's making them use it better. So he does this all the time and he understands the significant complexities. And we talk about this a lot um, about when we're faced with a CFO or a, a CEO sure. or a chief procurement officer or what have you. And they're like, Hey, things aren't going well. And, when you talk them through and understand, you really start to hear all the complexities that they faced in mm. the past. And I even asked that question um, last week at a client on site. And I said, so obviously we're here in this room for a reason. What are the things that have brought us to the table today that you even want to entertain this opportunity? Mm. And they, it was a surface level. And I said, but that doesn't feel like uh, we're going to be able to deliver because I think everybody delivers that service. What aren't you getting? Mm. Boom, 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 boom. We, we listed three or four and now our proposal is going to be so much stronger sure. because now we know again, those non-negotiables, yeah. right? We cannot mess up on some of those. 
right? Mm -hmm. But we can negotiate on and understand on some of these other things going forward. So it's like, it's like, you know, the, the Holy grail of not to, to mess up on It's such a great conversation to have in the beginning so that you know what it looks like, what good looks like going forward. Chad, you and I talked about just the concept of thinking differently. To me, everything that you've just been describing is, 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 a, is kind of a segue or an interlude into that because business doesn't tend to, to always go that way. It, it's more transactional in nature at times. It is we're not willing to ask those hard questions. Maybe it's out of ignorance that we don't know we should ask those questions, but it always leaves so much on the table and it isn't serving our customer, our client at the best when, when we're not on that fact finding mission. What does it mean to think differently? Um, what gets you there? And, and is it, is it something that you can teach? Is it something you just know? How, how, how do we get there? Is it part of your, like, I think it's part of your culture of a business. It seems like it's certainly a part of Bergen's culture to, to think different. Yeah, I think there's, there's two ways to think about this. One is finding the right environment uh, that allows whatever you naturally are to kind of breathe and grow. And you don't feel like you're either stepping on toes or not heard. Bergen has certainly provided me with that. And we have just this amazing vision that we're setting on for 2030 that all the, all the issues that other places have would wish that they had, Mm. um, you know, the problems that we have, other people's wish they would have because we're on a growth track Mm -hmm. and we're not afraid of it, which is so enlightening. And to get there, we have to invent things and do things that we don't even know we'll need yet. And it's when you get in those conversations, like in our quarterly meetings, and we're really challenging and we're pushing together our 90 day goals and people are taking things that aren't part of their necessarily job description, but they're willing to participate in them. You've got to really be on your game with our group because there's a lot of really talented people. And if you hold back and don't voice your opinions or your why you were brought into the organization, you're doing everything a disservice. So our CEO, Dave, and our president, Earl, and our entire executive team really push this message hard that we know where we're going to go. We don't necessarily know how we're going to get there. So it's on us to figure that out. And every single person is important. That's one. Number two is when I learned to kind of get my ego out of the way. Uh, and it took a while mm. because I was, I mean, I can be viewed as an extroverted person, but I feel I'm introverted in a way because I'm self-driven, self-motivated and uh, really kind of process oriented. Sure. I like statistics. I like analyzing. I like breaking things down. Uh, but I didn't always share it because I feel like other people didn't need to hear that. Like they've got it all figured out. Once I learned, and you know, Kyle Steele's a great example uh, with his One Minute Wednesday, he's not oftentimes saying stuff that's new, but he's saying it in his own viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Like he analyzes history and historical facts yes, really well, but he says it in his own viewpoint, and you're like, oh, that's really interesting. I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. That is what I think gets you to the point of thinking differently because 
you can see facts and opinions in one way, but when you teach and bring it out, the way that you analyze it and you interpret it and showcase it to others is a different angle that somebody else may not see. And you just have to hit one person. And when they call you afterwards, be like, Hey, what you said there was really impactful. Can you go deeper? That is when I learned that you just can't hold back all the time and you need to get your ego out of the way. You're touching on something that I think is really, really fascinating to me. And this comes back to, again, organizational culture. Because I have seen and been part of companies before where we, we maybe get the think differently thing on the table, but we don't dive into it. We don't take it apart piece by piece and see how far does this actually go? Because it's, it's like that, uh, that it's like to me, that uh, example of an illustration, you'll see it on LinkedIn or on social media a lot where somebody's digging for a gem and you know, they find the small one and they think they're great, but they give up then on that little gem and right beneath it is this massive treasure. That to me is, is how you get to that massive treasure is somebody comes by and says, can we go a little deeper on that versus not having the presence to do it? Yeah. And, you know, to hit upon that, I think too many times I always viewed it as scientific. Well, if I follow this process and I do this thing and I hit one, two, three, and four and five, like that is the way to do it. Uh, yeah. Process is full of activities. Um, but there is your, there an artistic, personality to everything you do. And when you learn that, that your unique personality, your thumbprint, your snowflake is a different viewpoint, that is where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn that kind of the hard way through sales. Like I didn't have bang up years. I wasn't the best and the brightest. And somebody said, well, you're not focusing on the people and what you're uniquely qualified to do. So bring that to the table. And once I learned that, oh my goodness, that whole, that was my best year in sales uh, I outperformed my goal within seven or eight months, um, you know, won numerous trips. And after that, my career just exponentially took off in a different way. Mm-hmm. I learned the value of the human and artistic side that is not process and procedurally driven. And I don't know how you get to that point. The biggest thing I can say is, you separate what you're afraid of to do and you just be you. The innovation, the thinking different, having the courage to take risk. I mean, that's another place I'd like to kind of talk with you. That to me are examples of cultural attributes of the best performing companies. Yeah, I, I, I believe that we've been accelerated just like you said, we've been exposed. There's a lot of things that are changing. Uh, I've been utilizing lately a lot of lean into certain situations. Let's lean into them and figure them out. Uh, You know, for example, um, you know, the great resignation, you and I talked about it a couple days ago. Uh, There's a lot of movement going on within corporations right now. And it's really hard as an employer to understand why. And you when you when you start to lean in and not get nervous about it, and I've learned this over the summer too, nervousness and excitement are the same. Okay. The way that the body handles them is different. The way that your psyche handles them. Excellent. Yeah. You know, like when I'm on the first tee of a golf tournament, I'm excited to be there. I'm not nervous to be there. And the way you handle them and approach them is different. 
I'm excited about this opportunity that we have with the quote unquote resignation. I think employers as a whole are nervous about it. The excitement is because it allows you now to be more transparent with either your current uh, team members or employees or your future employee. You know, and I don't shy away from my career. I worked eleven, almost eleven years at one organization, but then I've made a few moves. But there, even when I was within that organization, eleven years, I think I had six or seven different roles within them. But they were all designed to get to where maybe I wanted my career to go, and they were all—they've all allowed me now to do some really unique things that I'm—I'm I'm poised to do. I don't even know yet. I mean, I'm—I'm I'm young in my career. I've still got some some you know gas left in the fuel tank. <laughs> but I think us as employers, and even you know here at Bergen KDV, um, we we have the opportunity to lean into that and really understand what it is that's valued and then create opportunities for career growth within your own organization and be open about it and ask those really challenging questions that we've been shy of before, because guess what? It's no secret recruiters and other firms are calling to our people. Guess what? We're doing the same. So why not, get the rules of the game out on the table with everybody. I mean, you think of places that do it well, right? You've got uh, the NBA, the NFL. uh, You can think of numerous other sporting organizations where you're forced to move. If you're a coach, if you're within a place for longer than two or three years growing up, I mean, you may have eight or nine different opportunities, but you're always talking about it. People know where you're interviewing. They know what's going on. Now, I'm not saying that's how it should be. I'm just pointing out facts. But this is where this innovation of of people that may have been working in organizations that didn't appreciate them and organization and employees not appreciation, appreciating organizations you have the opportunity to really learn mm-hmm. and lean. And I say lean into it and get excited about, well, this is going to change how we operate going forward. What we thought was good. That must, those ping pong tables, those nice facilities, the, you know, the cereal bars, the lunches every day, guess what? They weren't as valued. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, let's ask those questions. What do you value? Well, guess what? People may not know. They may not know yet just yet. So we've got the unique opportunity to learn and understand that. And, you know, we've all seen the employee engagement surveys and those sorts of things, and they've always been done in a different way. Well, maybe this is an opportunity for us to reset and do those differently. I don't know all the answers. I just know that when a great population is speaking and it's become very apparent, it's a great opportunity for us to sit back and go, hmm. Well, let me ask this question. Now let me lean into it and get excited about uh, setting the path forward. Some companies will not embrace that. They don't have the courage to do that because they're afraid of what they might learn. And they're afraid of what they might learn because they're then now we got to deal with it. So maybe it's just better if we don't deal with it. Right. We'll just keep doing what we've always done. Mm -hmm. And that's that to me is like you've if you're going to open up that can of worms, but you have like a scarcity mindset around it versus like an opportunity mindset about it. Like if that, if you see that as a threat, if you see that as some sort of challenge and listen, I don't want to get into that stuff. We just need you to go out and make money. That's never going to work. 
And you compare and contrast that then to the companies that, um, and it's not even just companies. I, I think it's, you see this even in, I, I do some work with nonprofits as well, and you see it there. The ones that are poised to open up and, and dive into those areas are equipped to deal with it, or they're learning to be equipped to deal with it. And they're not afraid of it. Yeah. I mean, that's that courage piece. And I think, you know, other cultures and organiz- and countries have have embraced this a lot longer than maybe in the U.S. have. If you okay. if you start looking at the way employment and things are happening in other countries, it's different. Um, there's certain requirements and certain things that are really favor you know the employee. So they've been facing it for a long time. And you know I like to read articles and research and understand what that means. But I think if we look at you know our leadership here, we're definitely poised to listen better and understand that. And we're putting ourselves, we don't have it all figured out. I mean, I'm speaking here like, like we have it all figured out. We don't, but we have the willingness to try. Absolutely. And I think that is a great important step for all organizations, all employees is, is are you in a place that has the willingness and the courage to try? And if you do, you're probably in a really good spot going forward. Is it going to be rosy and perfect? No. In fact, it might even be downright painful and bumpy at times, right? It'll be extremely painful. Yeah. Um, even even our president was telling me yesterday, he was in a group of, of individuals um, you know, over the last month, and they had everybody stand up that was doing things the traditional way. And uh, then once your percentage of revenue in the traditional way started lowering, there was only a couple firms at the end and Bergen KDV was one that was still left standing. Mm-hmm. And he looked around, he's like, so this I'm in, you know, I'm in an, in a place where there's a lot of my peers and competitors and we're on the right track. We are definitely on the right track. And they under, and he quickly understood why people aren't doing it because it is, really scary. (laughs) It's sometimes painful, but the reward on the end is guess what? No one else, like I said before, has the courage to do it. And when you do magical things really happen. So let's wind down on this piece here. What we were just talking about, the the courage to do the hard things to, and you just kind of referenced, you know, it's kind of magical, the results that can happen from that. And, And then you've used the word there's like an art form to it. So is, is, is there a formula to that? Like coming back to like, how do we teach that? What is the art form that you're referring to? Can you, can you quantify it a little bit better? Yeah, I wish, I wish there was, I think the easiest thing is, um, people that are successful organizations that are quote unquote, you admire the secrets behind there are all the things that you you know, but you don't do. For example, um, I wanted to be a, a college golfer. And I was, I think that summer, uh, like a seven and a half handicap. And I went to, I went to a coach and we sat on the first, you know, on the tee box and he said, okay, for the next two months, you are going to hit all these shots, like 50% and like half shots and all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like, what are we doing? No, I want to hit it, you know, like 300 yards. And I just want to bomb it. Like I've always has. And he's like, you want to be a great golfer, right? You want to play college? I was like, yeah. 
He's like, if you listen to me and do the things that I'm telling you you want to, because guess what? You're going to look down the range and nobody's doing these things. But if you do these, I promise you, you will be a great college golfer. And so I did those and came back. And I went that summer from like a seven and a half handicap to a plus 1.7. So that is a, a huge difference. Like you're going from shooting like 79 to subpar rounds consistently. I won several tournaments, had a great, it, it set me off. I learned uh, from that, that when you ask people that are in that and they tell you something and you're like, oh no, that's, that can't be, listen to it. If someone tells you, well, I got to where I am because I had an executive coach and you're like, well, that's too much money. That's an expense. No, that's an investment mm -hmm. because the return, yeah. right? When someone tells you that uh, my key to success in a certain industry was I sat there and I made the 70 calls and I recorded them and I evaluated and I'm listening to them, do it. When someone tells you when I, before I give a, a presentation and somebody had said, well, I never practiced, but this person says, well, I run it by three or four people and they critique me and I record myself and I watch that back and I go, right? When someone says, I want to do a podcast for this example, right? And you listen back and say, how could I do that better? And then your podcast explodes. Mm. When you're asking people that have done it and they give you the answers and you sit there and pause back, that can't be true. It is true mm. because those are the one percenters and they're doing stuff to get there. It's the stuff that you don't see is the stuff that makes the biggest difference. That's what the secret that I've learned. That's the formula. That, that's fantastic. Thank you. Th like that makes my mind roll. That's, that's a mic drop. That's a great place to actually to wind down this podcast, I think is, is just everything that you just said. And it ties it right back to what something you said at the very beginning, when I was asking about your work ethic and, and such, you said, I'm coachable. And that's the key is you've got to be coachable. And there's a level of humility that falls into that. There's a level of confidence that falls into that. And there's a really cool blend between those two, that dynamic. But man, uh, if, if you are unwilling to listen for the help and you have the, but you still have the desire, like you've got to match that intention with some action. That's so good. Mm -hmm. So Chad, uh, as we wind down here, I always like to let people know, um, you know, if they, if they want to know more about you, if they want to connect with you on LinkedIn, et cetera, like what's a, what's a good way for people to connect with you? Yeah. I mean, uh, I've been, I was at a, uh, meet the firms night last week and everybody's asking me about my business cards and I'm just terrible about business <laughs> cards and yeah. name tags and all sort of, so I just bring out my, you know, ping me on LinkedIn. Um, my cell phone's always out there. I was in real estate for a while. Everybody can text me. Uh, shoot me an email. I'm not as active right now on LinkedIn as I used to be, but uh, I still check it out, uh, you know, a couple times a week. Uh, that's a great place to start. Uh, that's probably the channel that I'm most active on. You can follow me on Facebook, but you're probably only going to learn about the Greenlee Zoo because we have, you know, a small <laughs> amateur zoo that uh, we take care of. And I like to keep that uh, that way. But probably LinkedIn is probably the best spot. Cool. Yeah. Well, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, you know, speaking with you today. And, and again, just my mind is swirling. I've learned things today. Um, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. And I just, I just can't thank you enough. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. Thank yeah. you, James. All right. Well, we'll catch you on the next episode of Lead Through Values.